Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that you can actually exfoliate from the inside out. Uh, when you take something called vitamin A, which is something that you can use topically in some of the like skincare products out there, uh, when you take it orally, it can treat skin problems and it changes the physiology of your skin by promoting epidermal differentiation, changing growth factors, inhibiting the production of oil and suppressing androgen formation, which means that if you have acne, eczema, psoriasis, cold sores or things like that, they can get better from vitamin A. But be careful because if you take too much vitamin A without getting your sunshine and taking your vitamin D, vitamin A will suppress your vitamin D. Because the cool thing about your body is it listens to the environment around you. And the bad thing about your body is that when you do something, it can change something else. So it's always fighting to have equilibrium. And your job is to change the environment around you so that it has the right equilibrium so that it'll do what you want it to do, namely not have acne. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's guest is a leader in the functional medicine community. And 
like my wife, Dr. Lana, she worked uh, for five years in emergency medicine and trained in conventional medicine before cutting over from the dark side. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, cutting over to, to the side where we're looking more at, at, uh, at how our body is a system. And she's helped a lot of people reverse autoimmune disease and wrote a New York Times bestselling book called The Autoimmune Solution and the Thyroid Connection. If you're listening to this and you're saying, I don't have autoimmunity, I say, oh, I don't really know if you know if you have autoimmunity. And you say, I don't have a thyroid issue. The odds are actually higher that you do have an undiagnosed thyroid issue than that you don't if you're alive. Uh, so that's why she's on. And she's none other than Dr. Amy Myers. Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Now, I just asserted something kind of big that most people listening, like that their odds are higher that they have something going on with their, their thyroids than not. Do you believe that? I do. And most thyroid conditions are autoimmune in nature. So the two books go hand in hand with one another. Um, most people with thyroid dysfunction don't actually know that their thyroid dysfunction is autoimmune because their doctor hasn't checked their antibodies. And as I write about in the book, many people can have thyroid dysfunction even when their doctor has told them that all of their labs are normal. And of course, I know you've had other guests talking about the thyroid, but we can certainly get into all the reasons why that is with their reference ranges being too large, with people not converting to free T3, with people having high reverse T3s and you know all the various reasons of how that can actually happen. And a lot of listeners might not know free T3 and all that stuff, so I'd want to make sure we define all that all that stuff for them. But even just the concept of autoimmunity is something that all that means is that your immune system is attacking either parts of your body or or compounds that your body makes. And I did uh, actually, geez, going back till maybe 26, 20, 27, so that would have been like 15 plus years ago. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And I still take a small amount of thyroid medication, much less than I used to, although I have no antibodies anymore. So I, I reverse that. And the reason we're saying that, that many people have a problem with thyroid is, is that the thyroid is an energy thermostat for you. Like it basically controls mm -hmm. how much energy your mitochondria make. Speaking of mitochondria, Headstrong is a book about mitochondria. That's why I'm so up to speed on all this. And you should go to uh, your favorite online bookseller and, or just go to orderheadstrong.com. And I'll send you, if you get this before April 4th, I'll send you a giant coupon for, for uh, the Bulletproof website. So it's a, it's a really good thing to check out that book on mitochondria. But since most people are out there and like, ah, I feel pretty good. But what you're saying, Amy, is that when someone feels pretty good, but not like completely like amazing all the time, that thyroid and your own body's immune reaction to your own thyroid can be a part of the problem? Sure. And one thing that I also like to say, I mean, you mentioned that you're on a small amount of thyroid medication. I like to clarify that and call it supplemental thyroid hormone. That's how I refer to it in the book, because a lot of people, you know, particularly following you, following me and, you know, are seeing people reverse disease. They feel like they've failed if they don't get off this medication. And when people <laughs> think of it as supplemental thyroid hormone um, that, you know, a lot of people with autoimmune dysfunction, particularly thyroid takes five to 10 years to get diagnosed, six different doctors. They've had this for many years. And if they've gotten beyond the inflammatory stage to the damage stage to where they have damaged the tissue, you can't regrow your thyroid tissue, right? You got your autoimmunity under control by getting the antibodies to go away. 
You just said you said can't, which is like it's one of the weasel words in the bulletproof lexicon. Well, if I inject I had... stem cells and hit it with a laser in a hyperbaric chamber while spinning around forty times a second, isn't there some way? Like, can't we regrow well, our thyroid? There's got to be a way. You, well, <laughs> I had Graves' disease, and before I knew about functional medicine, and had mine ablated, so I literally okay. have no thyroid function. Can somebody, you know, sure, but also, and maybe many of your listeners are doing things like that. I mean, you can see my hyperbarics machine in the back. <laughs> totally. But um, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And so right. even if that was possible, the vast majority of people don't have that accessible to them. So I just want listeners to not feel that if they do need to be on some supplemental thyroid hormone, that they haven't failed, that, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, that is replacing a certain amount of hormone that your body is missing because of the damage that occurred. Well, let's face it. If you're over 40, nature wants you to die. <laughs> I, I mean, like, get out of the way. You already had your babies. They're old enough to reproduce. So it's time to clear out the field. And so I, I, take, I, I take supplemental testosterone. I've been really open about that for years because my levels were too low. So when I'm 140, I'm planning to live to at least 180, so when I'm 140, I'm pretty sure that any hormone, including ones we probably have that we haven't identified yet, that is low, I will be completely using. Like I'll I'll be dialing it in. And there's no there's nothing that's about surrender or weakness uh, that, that says you're you're taking control of your body's hormone levels. It's a very different perspective that says oh, if my body isn't making the hormones of a 25 year old, even though I'm 45, therefore something's wrong with me. Uh, yeah, there was something wrong with you. You're getting old, and you didn't right. do anything about it. That's what's wrong with you. I, I'm, I'm a little maybe over over percent. No, that, for sure, right? Yeah. But I mean, replacing it to twenty is a different thing than just replacing it. And then we have people who've completely burned out their adrenals and and everything, and they're just you know burning you know burning the candles at both ends, and always trying to find the root cause of what's going on. Now, you talked about. Uh, having a hyperbaric chamber and having had Graves' disease, why did you get Graves' disease? Um, so why did I get Graves' disease? Well, I talk about in both books kind of five factors that I believe lead to pretty much all chronic disease, and I pretty much had them all. Um, you know, I was a vegetarian for 27 years. I was oh. in the Peace Corps, <laughs> and um, so I had, you know, SIBO and Candida. I was in the Peace Corps, and every Wednesday was shot day. I'm MTHFR homozygous, so I had lots of mercury overload, and I'd spent time in China. Right, we got we to gotta pause for a second there. Oh, okay. MTHFR homozygous is actually not something that lives under a rock and bites you, if you haven't heard it. Uh, what that means, and this is something where uh, probably, what, I'd say a third of people listening have genetic uh, shifts that mean that they don't process some compounds the way others do, like folic acid, for instance. Uh, we just launched a Bulletproof methylfolate. Um, a supplement that we're manufacturing, which everyone can use instead of mm -hmm. something that poisons a third of us and the other two thirds can use. Can't so, use it, yeah. So if you're like you or me or like a lot of people listening, some environmental things just jack you up kind of permanently. So you had that and you were getting shots every week because of your Peace Corps stuff. Right. Okay, so, okay, so those are some pretty, some pretty big things. And those shots do affect you if people say vaccines don't affect you. My wife had to take a, a semester off her internship. She was going to do Doctors Without Borders and Himalayan Rescue Association stuff. And uh, when she got all the injections they required, her brain went away. Uh, like literally, she couldn't work in the ER uh, for quite a while because of brain swelling from these. So yeah, ah. vaccines, so, some of them are useful, but good God. <laughs> yeah, that was big. so I look at diet. So I was a vegetarian. Yeah. I was eating a lot of gluten. I'm gluten intolerant. I look at leaky gut. I had leaky gut from, 
you know, candida and SIBO and toxins, toxins, infections, Epstein-Barr, variety of other viruses. You're a trash And then stress. <laughs> My mother had passed away the year before I got Graves' disease. I came back from the Peace Corps, was readjusting, taking all my pre- post-bac pre-med classes. And then my mother passed away very unexpectedly from pancreatic cancer. So I had like kind of the perfect storm of everything of how um, I, you know, think that I got Graves' disease. I mean, there was a, a dis- or an uncle who had had um, diabetes type one. So there was some history of autoimmunity on my dad's side, but no, you know, first degree relative with autoimmunity. And talk about so, Graves' disease, just just let people sure. who don't know what it is know what happened. Yeah, By the way, so, I, I love at this level of detail because this is why you know what you know, because you lived it, not because you sat behind a double blind study right. and, and like decided and judged. But anyway, so what is Graves' disease? Well, I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons why patients, you know, when they come to me really feel comfortable because I've experienced it. I've been trained as a conventional physician. I've been trained in functional medicine and I've personally experienced all of this. There's very little somebody sitting across the table from me that I haven't experienced. And you can see by seeing my infrared sauna and my, you know, hyperbarics that I practice what I preach and, um, you know, am living am living the lifestyle. So um, Graves disease, most people are more familiar with Hashimoto's, which is what you said you had, which is, um, well, it can go hyper and hypo, but ultimately a burnout of the thyroid where you end up with a lower metabolism and uh, hypothyroidism. Mine was hyperthyroidism. The autoimmune form is grave. So I was having my second year of medical school, panic attacks, um, insomnia. Uh, I eventually had a hand tremor. I, my leg muscles were so weak that I was holding the, the banisters going down the stairs. Of course, I go to the doctor finally, and she says to me, oh, it's medical school stress. You just think you're a medical school student learning everything that we're teaching in med school. And I knew that there was something really wrong with me, but it's the opposite of the hypothyroidism. Everything revs up, which was what all my symptoms were, anxiety, panic attacks, insomnia, weight loss, tremor, fast heart rate. And in conventional medicine, you know, as opposed to Hashimoto's in conventional medicine, quote unquote, the treatment's the same. They give you supplemental thyroid hormone, right? As, <laughs> as right. But in conventional medicine with Graves, it is medication to shut down the okay. production of your thyroid hormone. PTU is what I took um, to blow your thyroid up like Hiroshima or to surgically remove it. So I actually went into medical school knowing I would do what I'm doing, but I didn't know how to get there. And my father was a professor of international studies with China being a specialty. So I went back to my roots of Chinese medicine. That didn't work for me. I then um, tried the PTU and I got toxic hepatitis. So within about a month, I was feeling even worse. My liver enzymes were very elevated. And so I had to get off the medication right away. And so I spent, you know, the internet was just coming about. I spent a lot of time researching for alternatives and couldn't find any. And ultimately had my thyroid ablated with the radioactive iodine. So I don't have a thyroid now. Um, and then eventually, you know, met Mark Hyman and found functional medicine and kind of, you know, realized that even though conventional medicine solved my uh, disease, so to speak, by blowing up my thyroid, if I really never got down to those root causes, I was leaving myself wide open to some other form of autoimmunity. You know, you're three times more likely to get another autoimmune disease once you already have one. And if I didn't deal with my diet and my leaky gut and all those, you know, heavy metals and toxins and infections and stress that I was just you know, leaving myself open to something else. So I then really spent the next several years diving into myself and then eventually opened my own functional medicine clinic, working with, you know, people from all over the world with autoimmunity and thyroid dysfunction. 
It's, uh, it, it's an impressive path you, you've gone down. And, and you mentioned Peace Corps and vegetarian, and you didn't say parasites. And people eat a lot of vegetables. Actually, vegetables are a bigger, uh, a, a bigger way of getting parasites, actually, at least if they're, they're raw vegetables, than, uh, than eating meat, which is a surprise to a lot of people. But uh, did you ever look at parasites from all I that? I did, and time? it's so surprising. I mean, I totally was for sure thought I was going to have a parasite. I've done so many stool tests, no parasites. In fact, I'm now taking, you know, the parasite treatment to try to help bolster my immune system, the HTC um, treatment oh, from HTC Sydney. Cool. Yeah, from Sydney Baker. But yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, it's like totally surprising. I had SIBO, of course, because I was eating lots of grains and legumes and carbs. And I had um, candida, but on no stool test did I have wow. parasites. I know, pretty incredible. I had a brain-eating amoeba that I just got rid of two weeks ago. That was really irritating. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> sure. Because I have a, uh, I have a highly resilient fault tolerant system at this point. Uh, it, it was unable to penetrate my gut lining and move into my brain, which would have well, really, good. really pissed yeah, me off. Yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah. But I, I had it for four months with like all sorts of GI symptoms. But my immune Wait, system. Wait, how'd you get it? Uh, from at, a res- at a restaurant in Phoenix, probably from vegetables. Yeah. I, it was it was someone from a, a third world country, probably just working without clean hands. Right. Uh, they're not really sure, but it, it was it was actually pretty darn disruptive to have something like that. And i i do I do see a lot of people who go down this path. They get a blastocystis, or they they get another Absolutely. parasite. But you didn't, even though you really had like yeah. all the warning signs for parasites. And you also mentioned toxic mold. Yeah. Uh, what What's your experience there? So, well, I think I've been exposed to mold my entire life. I grew up in New Orleans, old, you know, your old houses, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Moldiest cities in in North America, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Austin has it beat, but New Orleans (laughs) is definitely up there. I've lived in only moldy places. Um, But I didn't realize, I mean, where it tipped my immune system was about four years ago in an office. It was in Austin and a little house was my first office and there was a rainstorm and it was very clear that it kicked something up because several of us were starting to have symptoms. And so that was my first foray into it. And it's very interesting. You know, I used to think if something wasn't, you know, this sort of set of, uh, you know, diet, leaky gut infections, I definitely thought everything was heavy metals. And then once I got exposed to toxic mold and got into that world, I now see so much. And of course, now I've also learned about Lyme as well. And it's um, amazing just how prevalent, well, the two overlap, but how much Lyme and toxic mold there is um, that I see in my clinic and all of those people who are just not getting diagnosed. And then um, got really in the midst of writing my second book, The Thyroid Connection, um, was having just, I I probably like you, I check, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I have a lab in my office. And so I check labs (laughs) all the time. And uh, so I was seeing some autoimmune markers creeping up. And I thought, you know, this is really weird because I'm doing everything like to a T, this doesn't make sense. And I'd gotten married and moved into my husband's house and it was new. And so it was off gassing. And I thought it was that and the stress and the first book coming out, you know, you always kind of think, oh, it's this or it's that. And finally, there's a woman who can feel mold anywhere. I had her come over to the house and she nearly, literally nearly died. It was so bad. So in the midst of my book, I just jumped out of the house and got in an apartment. And this year I've been in eight different apartments trying to find somewhere safe to live in Austin. You know, Austin does have a problem because it's so humid. Anytime, Anytime indoor humidity gets too high or sometimes too low, you can get a mold problem. 
And by the way, and for, they're building so much so quickly here and yeah. wrapping everything. So for uh, for listeners, if you haven't seen Moldy, the documentary I made, I I spent a couple hundred thousand dollars out of my own pocket to make a documentary about toxic mold. It's at moldymovie.com. And the reason I did that is this stuff trashed my biology. And mm-hmm. roughly 28% of the population has genes where mold will cause almost permanent changes, including Hashimoto's is directly linked. It's not the only cause, but a direct cause of Hashimoto's, as well as adrenal dysfunction, is toxic mold. And the worst exposure is in the environment when you breathe it. And when you eat toxic mold, i.e. one of the reasons I go after moldy coffee is when I am exposed to coffee with mold in it, it knocks me out because my immune system is, is ready. It, it's, it's alert for this stuff. So I had to give up coffee for five years before I invented mold-free coffee that, that now is very well known. Like the Bulletproof coffee, people can drink it who can't drink normal coffee sometimes because like I don't get the jitters and the shakes that came from the moldy stuff. So... That, and just I see it with all kinds of autoimmune conditions. I mean, it, there okay. is a link, but yeah, all kinds yeah. of autoimmune conditions, particularly a lot of the neurological autoimmune conditions. It it'll it'll trigger the the demyelination of the nerves, so the nerves lose their insulation, which is tied to MS and Parkinson's. And one of the more interesting studies, since we're talking about autoimmunity and mold, and because you are someone who's had mold just like me. Uh, and, and if you're listening to this going, this doesn't apply to me. Guys, watch Moldy, the documentary. I've got Daniel Amen, Mark Hyman. Like These are big physicians who've done this, talking about how this is one of the most important problems out there. And also- It's at, huge. At least half. And, and one of the experts in the movie who does mold inspections for a living says 70% of structures have water damage. So think about it like this. You- may have a thyroid problem. You may just not be at the top of your game, but you're doing pretty good. If there's a water stain on your ceiling, like you have this whole new level of, of performance that you can unlock by just getting the crap out of your environment. It's, it's like kryptonite that will grow when it's too wet in your house. And there's so many people. I mean, it's just like people with Lyme. The, I mean, 90% or more of the people that I find have Lyme don't remember the tick bite. There's so many people who don't have the stain on their ceiling. I mean, there's so many people who had, I mean, I actually was just at a friend's house and I could tell it was moldy. And, um, you know, I was asking, we started talking about something. I was asking, well, have you ever had any leaks? And, and they say no. And then later they're talking about how right before they moved into the house, the plumber came and did a test of the water and all was fine. And then they came back the next morning and there was two inches of water in the entire house. But people (laughs) don't make the correlation of a leak. They think did, you know, did something from the roof leak. I mean, people don't, it's just amazing the number of people that I ask and I really have to dig down to ask very specific questions for them to understand what I mean. But one of the things that, that I always, I often wonder, most of my hormone levels have been off since my mid twenties. And there are a couple of studies that show that environmental mold can cause mm-hmm. autoimmune hypopituitarism. And your pituitary gland controls most hormones, including thyroid, adrenals, your sex hormones. So we actually know which part of the pituitary gland will be attacked by our immune system if you're exposed to which species of mold. Like it's that specific. And so that there's no woo-woo science about this. Like, like this is just happening. It's just invisible and it's not well known. Uh, and, and so I, I don't want to make this like a, a podcast about mold uh, because we're talking about a broader autoimmune thing. It's just for, for listeners, this applies to everyone. Yeah, well, it does apply to everybody that it is everywhere, but not everybody's affected by it. I mean, my husband 
had no symptoms whatsoever. I mean, he is, and his, his levels actually, we did a urine test and his levels were 10 times what mine are. I mean, you know, immunologically, at least he was able to tolerate it and not affected by it. So it is present. I I gotta, I gotta stop for a second there. So he was able to tolerate it, but when you say, and was not affected by it, his cancer risk is through the roof. Oh, for sure. I so mean, he was affected mean, by it. But he just didn't feel it, right? There's a right, difference. Right. And I mean, it doesn't mean that, I mean, so here's the catch 22. I mean, the work of Richie Shoemaker, I mean, he'll tell you, you have to have this certain set of genes to be even to be, you know, predisposed to at 28% of the population. Yet, even if you don't have the genes, just like celiac, we're seeing people with celiac yeah. have celiac that don't have the genes. So even if you don't have the genes, if you're living in a moldy place, that's not good. And even if you're not currently being affected by it, it doesn't mean that I didn't go through detox with my husband and get him out of the environment for yeah. future risk. Well, uh, Dr. Shoemaker's on kind of the radical friend who says it's yeah. only an immune response that matters. The, the preponderance of evidence, I've got more than 2,000 studies on the Bulletproof website, which I would call a lot, <laughs> are showing that the toxins made by the mold have a set of effects that are bad for all of us, including cancer and a bunch of other things, and the immune stuff that Shoemaker focuses on really matters. Um, I, I find it disingenuous to say it's only one or the other, like, like it's a combination. I interviewed one couple in the documentary in Moldy where they're both physicians, and she got sick they're when they moved Austin, into Moldy aren't place. They? Uh, no, Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. There was uh, and, a couple from Austin. Yeah, this is uh, Jeanette Hope. Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple from Austin. That's right. And then, uh, 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 but it was interesting because the husband who's a physician is like, I got nothing. I, I, maybe my wife right. is crazy. And, and she's this doctor. She goes, I have 42 symptoms. I must be crazy. Except she, was, she had a, a fever. So she biopsied every organ in her body. And eventually they realized it is an environmental problem. The environment is making her weak, but not him weak. Uh, yet, when you go to those 2,000 studies about cancer and essentially every chronic illness you can think of gets made worse by this exposure. And, and so her husband was at higher risk but felt fine. And that's the scary thing. If, if something knocks you out and you have like a, a sense of it, then you're a canary and you know. But the reason you have a canary in the coal mine is that it dies before everyone else, but they're going to die even though they don't feel it. And, and so you and me, were canaries. And right. for everyone listening... Um, there are things that trigger, like if someone in your house suddenly just completely goes bonkers, you might want to look at the house. And it doesn't have to be mold. It might be many other things, but it's just the environment is a major trigger. And as a functional medicine doctor, you're trained on that. And that's what you're writing about in your books uh, rather than, you know, these are crazy people. Yeah. No, I see it all the time. You know, the wife, I typically see more women than men just because of autoimmunity is more present. And of course, the husbands kind of think their wives are crazy because they're fine in the house and the wife is not. And so, you know, it kind of goes down that path. But back to your hormones going low in your 20s, when I see a young man in his 20s with his thyroid and his adrenals and his testosterone off, you know, certainly Lyme and also toxic mold are two things that I that I absolutely well, think about. I, I did have chronic Lyme. In fact, my wife and I started Melisa Diagnostics in the US, which is a, a test so we, we could run like species specific. I could run my own labs because we were in a lab company. Uh, but I am to the point, I do not believe that there is a single case of chronic Lyme without an exposure to either toxic mold or similar toxins from algae or, or things like that that's a pretty radical thing and it pisses off all the limeys, but this is the, 98% of people listening to this have Lyme in their pee. We can get the DNA from your pee. You have Lyme. It just doesn't do anything. And then you right. walk into a moldy building and two days later you have chronic Lyme. 
Like, this is what's going on. I have this conversation with another functional medicine doctor because he's in the Northeast and he's talking about all his Lyme patients. And I'm down here talking about all my my mold patients. And I'm like, they're one in the same. I mean, there's so much overlap. Now, let's get out there. Fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. Uh, those are mold people, as far as I can tell, and occasionally Lyme and occasionally mitochondrial dysfunction at, at a big level, but I would say 80%, 90% of those things are misdiagnosed. They're just mold illness. Do you agree yeah. with me there? Well, I think that it, that's huge. Thyroid, yeah. I mean, some get misdiagnosed sure. in a thyroid. I mean, it's you know, it's hard to say, but absolutely, it's one of the things that I that I think about. It's frustrating, but it's also kind of enlightening because as a former 300-pound person who's, who's lived these low-energy states... To be able to you know write a book about how to turn the energy back on, you you don't know how to turn it back on until you know what it's like when it's off, and you've you felt the same thing. You know how to deal with your patients because you have the training of a Western physician, which is incredibly valuable, and, and uh, uh, you're actually qualified to treat people. And I'm I'm absolutely not. I don't treat anyone. I just know how stuff works, and it's like maybe you should look at that. And and so I find the most effective functional medicine people are are people who are trained and practiced in Western medicine and got really sick. So you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, somebody asked me, you know, if I could have my thyroid back or be doing what I'm doing. And as much as this is my passion and I love helping people, I'm like, I actually would just take my thyroid back. Yeah, it's a fair Not point. having a thyroid is a yeah. very, you know, it regulates everything. But I am here and at least I made the best, you know, made some lemonade out of lemons. Give us 10 years, we'll grow you a new one, we'll 3D print it, stick it right back okay. in, you, you won't even miss it. You, you may not believe me, but you can, you can bet on it. I, I'm looking at the rate of change, it's the, it's the coolest time ever to be alive. Like, like We're gaining more control and more understanding of these systems than we ever have had, uh, even though you might have to go to Mexico to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk some more about autoimmunity, because sure. probably, I'm guessing half of listeners know they have something going on, maybe less than that. Uh, and for the rest of, for the rest of us, there's, there are, there are things that are risks because even if you don't have this, you don't want to do things that are going to stupidly increase your odds of getting an autoimmune condition because you think I'm doing fine. And then all of a sudden you get fired, your house burns down, stress goes up, a tick bites you. And then you go into a toxic mold cave somewhere. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, now I understand what that crazy Asprey guy was talking about. So, so the idea is minimize, but don't be obsessive about removing triggers here. Let's talk about gluten. I, my take is gluten doesn't have a place in your diet if you want to live uh, a highly functional, long life. Like, like, you might not feel it, but it's never the best food you could get. What's your take on gluten? 100% agree. I okay. am so black or white about it. What about people who have zero celiac, zero autoimmune stuff? They eat it and they they feel great. I just feel like the way, you know, one, if it's not organic, then it has Roundup on it, which we know leads to leaky gut. Um, You know, it's, you know, for the most part uh, processed. um, And so it's refined and dealing with your blood sugar. So I just feel like it's, it's just not a good food. Um, I mean, it's, like you said, you even those people who don't have a problem with it, the way that we've hybridized it, um, it has more gluten in it. It's being sprayed with Roundup. It's just there's nothing really good about it, and there's not a lot yeah. of nutrients in it. There's also this problem, and I follow on the agricultural side. There's global mycotoxin incidence maps. Oh, yeah. Different different countries have different species and different amounts. 
there is no crop of grain that is not substantially contaminated with, with mold. And the longer it's stored, the worse it gets. And we tend to feed the worst of it to industrial cows, and then we eat the rest of it. But depending on how it was stored, whether it was in a bulk bin, the batch of wheat you're getting has a very substantial chance of containing trichosithenes and all these other things that directly affect mitochondrial function. And for some people, you're really going to, like, it tears up your gut. 85% of people with Crohn's have, have higher than normal levels of aflatoxin in their blood. And so there's, there's all these, these pieces to it. So eating foods that are likely to be sprayed by us with our poisons, and those poisons make, fungus makes more of its poison, like, it's just not a wise food choice. Like, now, can you tell if you eat, and I mean, I know obviously you're eating mostly grass-fed or you know whatnot, but if you travel like I do and there are just situations where you can't, can you tell when you eat um, meat somewhere that has been fed conventional grains? Yeah, I don't eat conventional meat on purpose anywhere, but sometimes they lie to you at restaurants. Yeah, I, I can feel it. There's all sorts of, of things. I, I get an inflammatory response from it. I mm. actually can feel it in the tartar buildup on the back of my teeth. I don't mm. get any tartar in my teeth, but your kidneys get stressed when they get the toxins like that, and then that changes the deposition of minerals in your mouth from these two ducts under your tongue. All right, people, I told you I was an event correlation machine. Like, I, This is repeatable. I can tell you which joints are going to get sore if I'm eating conventional meat. And, and bottom line is, I, I don't want to do that because I think it's bad for the animal. It's bad for the planet. It's bad for the soil. Like, there's a, an ethical thing to it. Uh, but also, I don't like feeling that way. Like, I, I just like my brain working effortlessly, and I like my body to not have any pain at all, and, and to be able to just focus and never lose my train of thought and never open the fridge and try and remember why. And like, I just, I never had that when I was fat and when I was, when, I, when things weren't working well. I'll do just about anything to stay in that state. So, like, I'll be at a restaurant and say, give me a, give me a bowl of your steamed non-organic veggies if that's the lowest harm food. And I'll just be Got a vegetarian it. for a meal versus, you know, I was hungry, so I ate the, you know, the nice looking steak that made me inflamed the next day. But I, maybe I'm radical there, but I'm cool with that. What about no, you? No, I mean, um, no, I, that I can't tell. I mean, I can okay. definitely tell um, dairy, gluten, sugar, um, corn. So, I mean, I, I will, I mean, we obviously eat everything organic in our house, but, if, and we take snacks when we're traveling and, and things like that. But, you know, I was just, my dad was in the ICU for a week and, you know, we had to, I was out of town and had to eat wow. in restaurants. So, you know, you do the best that you can. I mean, I, my philosophy is obviously if I felt that way, I would make a different decision. But since I don't get those symptoms, my philosophy is, you know, trying to control your environment in your environment. And then when you're out making the best choices you can and not freaking out over it because the stress of freaking out over it is. It, it's worse. People, yeah. people can get orthorexic on, on stuff like that. And that's a, that's scary. Orthorexia is, is almost like anorexia. It, it's this idea that, that you have a, an emotional, like a shame or a guilt or a fear response when you eat foods that aren't perfect. And that's why the Bulletproof Diet's a spectrum so that you're like, this is how you gracefully degrade. So if, if you're not going to get grass-fed beef, like, fine, I'll get the fish or I'll go to vegetables. The other thing that, that I do, and I'm curious if you do this, I use the Bulletproof Activated Charcoal when I go out to restaurants because there's always crap in the food that I didn't want. So charcoal tends to bind to toxins in the gut. It's, it's sort of, when I do that with conventional beef, I'm way more normal the next morning. Do you bother with that or do you not need to? 
Um, well, I, I don't do it for the reason of the food. I do it more of most of the places that I travel are moldy. So I'll either use your uh, charcoal or a product called um, GI Detox that has both a clay and a charcoal in it. And that seems to do, and as well, a lot of glutathione. Yeah, glutathione is is magic for me. That that's one of the things that turn my turn my brain back on, and that's why I make it. And yeah, I'm assuming you do intravenous. Um, actually, we have one an acetylated one that I feel works really well with patients. I mean, I've I've had just some incredible results with it. So most eighty or so percent of my patients fly in from out of town, so it's not. We don't do a lot of IVs in my clinic because people aren't here to be receiving IVs. They basically come for the first visit and then do everything else by phone. Okay, cool. That makes good sense. You do talk about nutrient deficiencies linked to autoimmunity. What are these nutrient deficiencies that you, you've blocked out? Uh, there's a high correlation, by the way, with a bulletproof, just general stay well. So I was, I was pleased, but just walk through your list of six. Yeah. So, well, I think that you're also probably looking at, you know, in, in reference to the thyroid, you know, yeah, vitamin yeah. A is a big one uh, for people and, and immune as well. Um, iodine. I mean, there's a whole iodine controversy with the thyroid, if you want to talk about that. Uh, zinc, selenium, uh, B vitamins. A lot of people, as we mentioned earlier, have MTHFR or methylation issues. So even if they're getting enough, they're not able to necessarily utilize it. Um, am I missing something? Magnesium's typically there as well. Um, and vitamin D. And vitamin D, yeah, of course. Uh, awesome. It, it, that's a fantastic list. And yeah, actually, let, let's talk about uh, the, the B vitamin uh, thing. With B vitamin or iodine? Or sorry, actually, let's talk about iodine. And the, what you're talking about there is there is a group of people who say that if you have autoimmune problems, you shouldn't take iodine. But I manufacture an iodine supplement from kelp. I take iodine and I had autoimmune conditions. You can kind of guess where I am on this argument. What's what? your take on taking iodine? Yeah, for sure. And I have a section in the book about this. How much do you take? Uh, well, uh, my supplements are the 150 micrograms, yeah. relatively conservative. But for a while, I did the Brownstein 15 milligram protocol, okay. and I did just fine. And yeah. just for people listening, 15 milligrams of, of iodine, there's a technical term for it, which is, uh, I don't want to swear too much, but I think technically that's called a shitload. So yeah. you, you take a very high dose of the stuff, and I wouldn't recommend that you start there. If you're going to play at those levels, you need to do a lot of research. But at, at a, low, a low supplemental level, it seems safe. But I don't, you, you might totally recommend some other, other thing. No, I have no idea so, what your thoughts are. Um, so in the book, you know, I formulated a multivitamin to go along with my program for the thyroid book, and I have 300 micrograms of, of, of uh, iodine. So I feel that we are iodine deficient, yeah. and then you add in all the other halides, the bromides, chlorides, and fluoride, and we're really deficient. And so really it's kind of replacing back. Now, what you were talking about, the Brownstein, there, there's something called iodorol that's 25 milligrams, which is a thousandfold, you know, what I'm recommending. And some people even take up to 50 milligrams. Now I've had, I don't personally subscribe to that with people. I've taken those high levels, but I also don't have a thyroid, just <laughs> more for breast health and stuff. As I, I like you, I like pretty much try everything on myself just to see what in the world is going to happen before I start giving it to other people. So I've never prescribed that to patients just being a physician. I didn't feel that that was prudent. Um, there are, I've had 50% of the people who've come in from somewhere else on that swear it cured them. 
and 50% of the people come in and swear it is what ruined their thyroid. So for me, I think the jury's out. If you're going to do something like that, you really need to be working with a practitioner that really gets it and is following you and monitoring you. I think taking it in the microgram dosages, most everybody should be doing that. I've never seen anybody um, react to iodine at those levels. It's such a fundamental part of the way our enzymes work. Like you've, you've got to have some of it. The, the other interesting thing about iodine, which is maybe less autoimmune, uh, it's an old, an old trick, but when women have really painful, tender breasts mm-hmm. uh, from fibrocystic breast disease especially, you can paint iodine on the breasts, the Lugol's iodine solution, and sometimes within minutes, the pain goes away. Like It's kind of ridiculous how, how sometimes your body... Yeah, so there's a whole theory it. out there about breast cancer and iodine, right? I mean, there's a lot less breast cancer in Japan, and they're, you know, is that because they're eating less meat, they're eating more soy, is because they have a much more iodine-rich diet. And so our thyroid is the place that takes up most of our iodine or has most, but then our uh, breast tissue and our ovaries are the other areas and testes in a male uh, where they're the most iodine receptors. The, the other place that uh, a country doctor would paint iodine would be uh, around the vagina uh, for the same reason and for, for treating all sorts of strange uh, conditions there. But I've never heard of putting iodine on the scrotum. Is that also something that's done? I didn't I know mean, there were receptors down there. I'm going to have to try it tonight. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to, have to Check dip it the out. boys. Let us okay. know. <laughs> I, I, knew, think well, I was going to say something about, well, blue balls. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, different <laughs> colors. Blue, but yeah, purple balls. If, if, there's, if there's a way to get like a rainbow of colors, there'll be unicorn balls. That, 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 yeah. That's perfect then. So I'll, I'll use some kale when I'm done. Yeah. Now, would you... Would you describe what's going on with with thyroid as as an epidemic at this point like like it it almost feels like so many people have it that it's like an undiagnosed thing happening is is that an overblown statement i don't think so i mean i think autoimmunity in general could basically be considered an epidemic and certainly thyroid i mean within autoimmunity thyroid is the most uh most Uh, popular, so to speak, uh, autoimmune disease. But I mean, we've increased the number of people with autoimmune disease by threefold in the last 50 years. I remember when I was little, you know, there's like one person that, you know, a family friend that had something and it was, I remember hearing lupus and it was this really horrible, terrible Mm -hmm. disease. And now it's like everywhere you turn somebody, you know, you know, five people with, with some sort of autoimmune condition. When you ask about the thyroid, um, I remember when I was um, traveling, actually, uh, for filming something for a PBS special, and the woman at the at the desk at the hotel was super, super kind to me. So I ran out to a Barnes & Noble, and I thought, well, you know, is this weird to buy her this thyroid book? You know, but then I thought it was a nice gesture to give her a copy of my book, but I didn't have one with me. And, of course, I handed it to her and thought it was going to be awkward. And she's like, oh, I just got diagnosed with thyroid. This is the perfect, you know, this is perfect. And how many people do you run into that – that tell you that. I mean, the random person behind the counter uh, with their thyroid dysfunction. Right. Uh, you, you just don't know, but it, it's, it, you see it sometimes and it's, it's kind of sad. It's the same thing though. If you see, you know, a, a person who's 300 pounds, like I used to be uh, sitting in a restaurant, obviously trying to eat healthy, you know, loading up the pasta and you're just like, uh, you want to say something, but either they're, they're interested or they're not interested. And, I finally, I, I usually don't say anything unless they ask. 
Right, or, or I might just drop a crumb, and if they're interested, otherwise, I don't want to be that guy who like walks around and tells people, "You have mold. You should stop." I know food. it's like, so hard, but being a doctor and being somebody who went into a profession to help. Yeah. So what I did is I had my staff. I, I had basically instead of business cards made, I have a one card that's the cover of one of my books, and the other side is the cover of the other book, because you know I'll see people with vitiligo or psoriasis or something. And I don't want them to think that if I give them a business card that I'm soliciting them to come see me as a patient because I'm not. I have plenty of patients. Um, it's more I want to offer them help. So I found now that I have these cards with just the book on it um, that that people are much they're they're receptive usually. I mean, I was at Target the other day and this woman had the most horrific rash and I could tell she was so uncomfortable. And I just said, look, you know, I'm I know this is kind of awkward. I hope you don't mind. But I noticed your rash and, you know, one of these books might be really helpful for you. And she was so appreciative because she was like, yeah, I mean, I'm at my wits end. All they want to do is give me creams at my doctor's. And I've really started exploring other things. And I've found most people are really appreciative if you, you know, approach it in that kind of way. But I hear you. It's a it's a weird thing where you want to help somebody, but not. It's also kind of invasive to say something. So, yeah. And you don't yeah. want to trigger, you trigger, trigger people there. Anytime you're dealing with food, it's a survival thing. Yeah. Because if you don't have food, you die. And anytime you're dealing with almost any medical thing at, at a really core level, there's there's fear of death involved. So people act in the weirdest ways. So I'm I'm always like, look, if you're interested, cool. If not, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to do what you're going to do, and I'm going to be okay with that. But it took me a while yeah. to get there. Well, I I appreciate your sharing what you know about about thyroid, and and tell me the titles of your your books again. The Autoimmune Solution and the Thyroid Connection. Awesome. Um, these are definitely useful books uh, for uh, if, if you're listening and this, this whole conversation has been up your alley. These are books you totally want to read. All right, Amy, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, I want to perform better at everything I do in my life, you know, not just my job, not just my sport, but just at everything, what are the three most important pieces of advice you'd have for me? What would you tell them? I would tell them to give up gluten. I would tell them to uh, follow, uh, I mean, just to say get good sleep is kind of difficult. So, I mean, I have programs in both books, you know, the amber lights and I'm big into the glasses, but, you know, good sleep hygiene of getting good night's sleep. And I would say um, working on their, you know, level of stress, reducing stress. Which are all different things, and you'd think I would probably say, uh, but food, sleep, and stress—it's a—it's a good list. It really yeah. is. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on Bulletproof Radio. And what URL can people go to to sort of like, like get get the whole download? Everything is Amy Myers MD. So my website's just Amy Myers, and Myers is M Y E R S M D. Facebook, Twitter, all that you know, social stuff is just Amy Myers MD. Awesome, Amy. Thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to your favorite bookseller and pick up a copy of one of Amy's books. And while you're at it, you might want to pick up your pre-order of Headstrong, my new book about mitochondria and how to have more energy in your head. Hopefully, you'll get both books together. They'll be paired up there at the bottom of your screen, and you'll learn something from both of them. Have an awesome day. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.